with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, October 26th, 2023, the Feast of St. Pharaoh. He lived around the 585. He was born into a noble family in Burgundy, France, back whenever France was still split into many, many kingdoms. And his sister, St. Farah, founded a famous convent and was known for her miracles. Now, how cool is that? I got to call my sister after this and be like, hey, why aren't you doing miracles? I need to have a sister who is literally doing miracles. Now, St. Faro displayed prudence and valor in battle during his youth, and he gained the esteem from King Thibert of Austrasia and other kings that were in France. Now, this was a something to keep in mind because he was a good Catholic from his earliest days, and yet he was a great knight. In fact, so great that he was recognized for his valor in battle. And so in 613, Faro became one of King Clotier II's council and became a strong defender of that monarchy. He played a significant role in the war against the Saxons. He had the gift of counsel, which he used to help many people, especially those who were mm, unfortunately oppressed and were poor and in need. And he would advocate for them before the king. Now, there is a couple of notable incidents. I'm going to share just one or two of them. One one of these stories goes as this. There was a Saxon ambassador who was committing a crime within the kingdom of France. And so the crime that he committed was punishable by death. And so what did St. Faro do? St. Faro, knowing that the king was a Catholic and he was a faithful Catholic, Knowing that you could not execute in his kingdom someone who was a Christian brother. If you were a Catholic, you could not be executed, for you were a brother of Christ. And so he spent the night in the jail cell, dialoguing with these people, talking with them, striving to convert them, to save their soul, and thus save their lives. And at the end of it, he was able to convince them to convert to the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. After doing so, they it was alerted to King Clotier that they were, in fact, Catholics now. So what did the king do? He pardoned them. He forgave them. And he let them go home. This was one example of this. A, another example is this poor woman in need who is begging the king for help, is following the king around as, a whore, as the king was galloping away from this woman. And he kept on asking to, for help and for money and for, for alms. And the king ignored her and refused to help her. So what does St. Faro do? St. Faro goes to the king and says, You are a king, and daily you ask God to help you in your needs, which is a good thing. This woman is doing something similar. When she comes to you with her needs, she is asking you for much less than you ask from God. How can you think that he will listen to you if you do not listen to her? And he ended up helping her. Now, St. Faro excelled as a warrior and fought for his faith against pagans, Saxons, and Moors, gaining fame and admiration throughout France. 
He married a princess, which elevated his social status and influence, and of course became a counselor, which is one of the highest positions that you can have to not just one, but to two kings. After living for a long period of time as a counselor to two kings, he ended his life by becoming a monk, swearing off the entirety of the world. Him and his wife lived as separated to both enter. She entered a convent and he entered a monastery. And he ended up dying a very holy death. So what should we ask of St. Faro on his feast day? We should ask him to give us his piety, his faith, his combativeness, and his gift of counsel to accomplish our duty in the service of Our Lady. St. Faro, pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. Wow, St. Faro. Mm. I'm tempted to say that I would like to end my life in the monastery, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could just say, "All right, good wife, go to the go to the convent. I'll go to the monastery. Nice knowing you. See you in heaven." I guess I don't know. You know what's interesting? A lot of uh, the married saints end up that way. Mm-hmm. Like you think about a ton of the married saints, they always end up heading towards the direction of entering convents, things like that. And I didn't know Mother Angelica's mom entered the convent when she when her husband died. Oh, really? Yeah, she ends up entering the convent in the same community that Mother Angelica was part of. See, in that situation, if my wife had passed away and my kids were grown and they were doing their own thing, I'd probably enter, if they would take me, if they would have me, uh, I would enter a monastery, you know, maybe a cloister. Yeah. They're going to tell you, they're going to be like, um, I'm so glad that you want to join us, um, uh, but I- please do not. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would not like you here. Please go back to the world. Listen, I have a lot of Pergo time to to knock down. Can you please just let me in? Just look. I'll sleep outside, okay? Would you? Would I sleep outside? Would you sleep outside? Like in a tent? Like in a like in a tent or a cave? Um. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. Okay. I think. Um, Where would I get my food though? Where would I plug in my laptop? Um. So, unfortunate thing for you would be that. You can't bring your laptop, but you can have your smartphone, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So that that would be fine, right? We'll, we'll just we'll plug in your um, your phone into the tree. Nice. Yeah. yeah solar power <laughs> um, using um, photosynthesis to power your phone. I think that'll work. Um, don't trust me on that. Just, just try it. Just try it. Let me know how it goes for you. All right. Coming up in this hour at 15 past the hour, there was a shooting in Maine, and I... Just learned about this just a couple of minutes ago, actually. Uh, so we're going to discuss a little bit about that at 15 past the hour. I'm sure we'll discuss it more tomorrow once we know more information. At 30 past the hour, uh, there was a homeschooling hit piece that was put out by John Oliver. Uh, you know, the great John Oliver, brilliant intellectual who was a host of a late night show or is, I suppose, and he did a homeschooling hit piece. We're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. And in the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be joining us. So we'll be talking to him about all of that. Now, we are going to make sure we take care of all of that today. Now, let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, praying for whatever it is that you have going on in your life. For our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, we pray for the situation in the world, that there will be world peace, and peace and only which Christ can bring us, peace under the reign of Christ the King. We pray for that today. We pray to Our Lady the Holy Rosary, because October is dedicated to the Holy Rosary. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day in the midst of my manifold duties. A bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment, an encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty. Grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy fifteen mysteries may form in my soul little by little a luminous atmosphere, pure, strengthening, and fragrant, which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, my whole being. So shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work without the aid of formal prayers, by interior acts of admiration and a supplication, or by the aspirations of love. I ask this of thee, O Queen of the Holy Rosary, through St. Dominic, thy son of predilection, the renowned preacher of thy mysteries, and the faithful imitator of thy virtues. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now, here's a sampling of your breaking news and headlines today. As Adrian mentioned, there is a breaking story. Uh, There's a suspect that's being sought after uh, killing 22 people. It's a developing story. We're going to talk about that 15 past the hour. Now, the other headlines are the White House is to unveil an AI executive order on Monday, according to reports. U.S. President Joe Biden, uh, his administration, is expected to unveil a long-awaited artificial intelligence executive order on Monday. I wonder what it will contain. The order will uh, require advanced AI models to undergo assessments before they can be used by federal workers. It would also help ease barriers for highly skilled workers seeking to immigrate to the United States in order to boost the country's technological competitiveness. And more Texas counties are trying to prevent people from using specific roads to get an abortion. Thanks be to God. Lubbock County in Texas has become the largest of five counties to ban drivers from transporting women seeking abortions. Citizens can sue anyone who assists in traveling to get an abortion in Lubbock County or even passing through the area to seek abortions elsewhere. Planned Parenthood criticized the county ordinance, stating that it adds unnecessary barriers to so-called essential health care. The ban has not yet been enforced, and Lubbock County Sheriff's Office declined to comment on the ban or its implementation. And looking for nomance. The study finds teens want less sex in their TV and movies. More than half of the 1,500 young people who participated in the UCLA Teens and Screens survey out of California, which is surprising, said they want to see more content focused on friendships. Nearly 40% said they particularly want to see more non-romantic relationships on the screen. The majority of respondents said that they felt romance in the media is overused. Now, the study is entirely, it entirely included, rather, uh, the youth aged 10 to 24, but the questions relating specifically to sex and romance on the screen were only asked to the subset aged 13 through 24. Obviously, you don't want to scandalize the, the 10 to 12. Uh, at 13, it's fine to scandalize like that. But uh, maybe we should take the Zimmer pill and have less of that on the screen. Now, those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. Now, I we're just going to focus in on one verse, as has been our custom for a while, because Scripture is so dense, you can spend so much time on just one verse. Verse 49 says, I am come to cast fire on the earth, and what will I but that it be kindled? 
Now, this is very interesting, what our Lord has to say here. And I highly recommend reading the entire commentary of Cornelius Alapide for today because he had a lot to say about this, and we're not going to be able to dive into all of it. Symbolically, he says, quoting St. Ambrose, God is a light to lighten and a fire to burn up the chaff of men's vices. He is light to shine like a lantern for one who is walking in darkness so that whoever seeks it in its brightness cannot err. He is fire to consume the straw and chaff of our works as gold, the more it is refined, is better proved. So firstly, he's saying that our Lord's presence, our Lord's love, his charity, his virtue is to burn up our vices, is to dispel the vices from within us. This is something that is very difficult and it is why wicked men hate God. It is why wicked men hate being at church. It's why wicked men hate being in adoration or praying the rosary or being around good people. For the light that exudes from good people, from goodness, from beauty, from love, it hurts because it purifies. It destroys your vices. And if you love your vice, if you love what is wicked, if you love what is evil, then to be for those things to be burned up, for those things to be taken away, for those things to be destroyed, you then lose a part of yourself. And if you love those things, you cannot be apart from it. You cannot understand or will or want to be apart from it because you love what is bad. But if you love what is good, then you would love that purifying fire. Then you would take joy and rejoice in the purifying fire that cleanses us of those evils, of those wickedness. So what is the fire? Well, it is called by many, it is the hatred of dissentants, the tribulations, and the persecutions by unbelievers of the faith and of the apostles and the faithful of Christ. So those who persecute us, those who hate us, those trials and tribulations that we endure, it is those things that our Lord uses as fire to purify us. So don't look at it as a burden, but thank God for the purifying fire that makes us holy. We'll be right back. Talk about that shooting that went ha- happened. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray a chaplet. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed the Chaplet of Divine Mercy daily? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here with you. No matter what's going on in the world it is still good to be here with you. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. A lot going on in the world, and I wasn't planning on talking about this. In fact, I I missed the story completely because I was preparing to talk about the homeschool situation. And I came across a story, and it's pretty, pretty wild. Uh, Taylor showed this to me right before, probably like five minutes before he went to start the show this morning so i quickly read about it and um here is a report on this situation tragedy strikes lewiston maine a devastating event that unfolded last night in lewiston maine in a shocking and heartbreaking turn of events the peaceful town of lewiston was shattered by a series of mass shootings leaving at least 22 people dead and dozens more injured this shooting occurred at multiple locations across Lewiston, including a Walmart distribution center, a bar, and a bowling alley. Witnesses described scenes of chaos and panic as the violence unfolded. One survivor, Brandon, recounted the terrifying moment when he realized the danger, saying, quote, I had my back turned to the door, and as soon as I turned and saw it was not a balloon, he was holding a weapon. I just booked it, end quote. The alleged perpetrator had been identified as Robert Card, a 40-year-old firearms instructor associated with the U.S. Army Reserve. According to law enforcement sources, Card had recently reported mental health issues, including hearing voices and threats to carry out an attack on the National Guard base in Seiko. He had been involuntarily committed to a mental health facility for two weeks earlier this week this year, raising concern about his mental state and potential motivations for the attack. I also want to point out for people who will immediately jump to gun control topics that because of this, he had no right to a gun already, legally speaking. They already would say that he should have taken his guns away and that he would not be able to purchase or to have any. So the manhunt for Card is underway with authorities describing him as armed and dangerous Residents have been urged to stay indoors and report any suspicious activity to 911. The neighboring city of Auburn and Lewiston are on high alert, with both cities implementing shelter-in-place orders to ensure the safety of their residents. Emergency services were quickly mobilized to respond to the scene of the shooting. Central Maine Medical Center declared a mass casualty event, mobilizing medical staff to treat the wounded. Hospitals across the region, including facilities in Portland, were put on high alert to accommodate potential victims. The tragedy has left the entire state of Maine in shock and mourning. Communities have come together in solidarity, expressing their grief and offering support to the affected. Auburn Mayor Jason Levesque spoke on behalf of the community, calling the incident a, quote, absolute tragedy, end quote, and urging people to cherish their loved ones in these uncertain times. 
Governor Janet Mills issued a statement urging citizens to follow law enforcement instructions and emphasizing the importance of community support during this difficult time. President Joe Biden also reached out, offering full federal support to assist the state in the aftermath of the tragedy. The motives behind the attack are still technically a mystery, though people have uh, theories, um, hence the mental health health question, leaving investigators in the community grappling for answers in the wake of the senseless violence. As the manhunt for Robert Card continues, Maine stands united, grieving for the lives lost and hoping for swift justice for the victims of this horrific event. This is a developing story, and we'll continue to provide updates as more information becomes available. So, that's what we know so far. Maybe by tomorrow, everything will be different. We don't know. These things always tend to not shake out exactly the way the initial reports state. So, we'll find out the details about this question. And, you know, it's always interesting to instrument, I can't speak, interesting to me when people talk about mental health problems and talk about hearing voices and things like that. I always wonder what on earth, what what makes these things happen, right? And a lot of times, I mean, I don't want to be someone who says there's a demon under every rock, right? But every time, immediately when I hear people saying they hear voices, I immediately think the occult? Because obviously, one manner of hearing voices can come from the occult. Demons can speak to you, right? And it also makes me think of the fact that a lot of times, I mean, look at the book, The Devil in the City of Angels by Jesse Romero. He talks about how while he worked at the prison, there were many, many people who have committed mass murderers, mass murderers, serial killers, gang members who committed the most horrific of crimes. It was not uncommon that these people were Satanist or had some kind of association with the occult. It makes a lot of sense to me. It makes more sense to me than there's something going on in someone's brain that makes them hear voices and that tell their voices tell them to do horrific, evil things. I just, I don't understand how that's even possible. And mental health professionals don't understand how that's possible. Mental health professionals do not understand schizophrenia. They don't understand bipolarism, even if there's debate, even if bipolarism even exists, whether you can have a split personality, whether or not that's real. That's a debate among mental health professionals. And what would be in the subconscious? What would be in a person's brain that is purely scientific, that would manifest as a voice, as an audible voice saying, do these evil things, commit heinous crimes. I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me. And so to me, a lot of these cases, I think there's probably an association with the devil saying there's probably an association with something satanic. And This is a lesson for us, right? At the very least, we should be praying. We should be blessing our children. We should stay far away from anything like that. Let's make it so that way we never have to consider this as a possible reason. We can scratch 
demonic possession off the list as the first thing on the list, right? If we lived in a moral culture. But we don't. We don't live in a moral culture. And people would say, well, you don't want to say the person's possessed. You don't want to say the person was demonically influenced because it lowers their culpability. And these people are monsters. or They're culpable for what they did. And I would agree with you. Because if you're possessed or if you're being influenced by the devil, if you're hearing voices, which means you're probably not possessed, you're probably just getting them whispering in your ears, you still made the free choice to do it. And you still made the free choice to allow the devil into your life. And it would not surprise me if this is the case because we see Satanism on the rise in the world today. Constantly, everywhere you look. In fact, I saw a news report talking about how to do use Ouija boards for Halloween. And we're trying to say we don't live in a culture like this? That we're not going to be having this? The Newark Post put out a Halloween article, How to Use a Ouija Board, Your Guide to Communing with the Dead Safely This Halloween. You cannot commune safely with the dead. You cannot use Ouija boards. You also have to remember Ouija boards and book and things like this. They are sold at toy stores. Toys R Us for a long time before Toys R Us shut down sold Ouija boards. These are not toys. These are not games. This has real world effects. Now, do I know this guy was possessed? Oh, of course I don't. I don't know anything about the guy yet. I'm just speculating because it's just based off what we hear. It makes a lot of sense to me. I'm sure we'll find out more information. But we're getting close to Halloween. And during this time, people think it's fun. It's cute to do Ouija boards, to commune with the dead, to play with astrology, all these things. And they think it's just fun and games. They think it doesn't really work. It's not real. No, these things are real. The spiritual world is real. The devil is real. And he hates humanity. He wants people to die. Why does he want people to die? Because most people are not prepared for their death. Most people are not prepared to die well. This is why it's a bad thing for people to ask to die quickly. You do not want to die quickly because you want to have your wits about you. You want to be prepared for your death. You want to be available for confession. You want to be available to receive extreme unction, to have your confession heard, to receive holy viaticum. All these things are things you want to be prepared for. And you cannot be prepared for it if you die suddenly, whether it be from a shooting, a car accident, or anything else. So we pray for those souls that passed away, or that were murdered, rather. We pray for those souls who were murdered, that they had a moment to repent of their sins, had a moment to get right with God, to make an act of spiritual communion, to make a perfect act of contrition. We pray that those souls be saved because that's the worst thing about these things, right? The worst thing about these mass shootings is you gave no opportunity for people to repent. And 
if they were not in a state of grace, the guy not only took their bodies, but sent them down to hell as well. This is a grave, grave evil. And we should be praying, one, that these person be caught and they be given justice, which, I mean, for a lot of times, in most days, I don't know what the rules are in Maine, but for a mass shooting, if at the very least, the man should be put away for life. This is a very, very evil situation. And we have to be aware. We have to watch your kids. Don't let them be involved in bad things. Don't let them get involved in what is wicked and what is bad. So, make sure that you are devoted to the Holy Rosary. Devoted to the confessional. Devoted to frequent communion. Because you never know when you're going to die. I mean... On a slightly separate note, there is this story that Russia is testing massive retaliatory nuclear strike. They say that they have successfully tested its ability to deliver a massive retaliatory nuclear strike by land, sea, and air. The test launch of a missiles was from a land-based silo, a nuclear submarine, and from long-range bomber aircrafts. So from every front, there is one thing that we know for certain. Life is short and death is sure. The hour of death remains obscure. A soul you have and only one. If that is lost, all hope is gone. Pray the rosary every day. Go to confession. Say three Hail Marys when you wake up. Three Hail Marys before you go to bed. And bless your children before they leave. We'll be right back with more. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. The Post Millennial reports Honda and GM abandon a five million or five billion rather dollar plan to co-develop affordable EVs. The initial goal for the automakers had had that they had in mind was to surpass Tesla in EV sales, but now the companies are officially pumping the brakes 
for now on the scrapped $5 billion idea. The company shared their plans to join forces last April with a vision to develop a series of lower-priced EVs on a new joint platform. This would have included compact crossover vehicles powered by GM's Ultium battery technology. Don't ask me what that is, but sounds impressive. And finally, after many, many weeks, we have a new Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson is the Speaker of the House. The House of Representatives has elected Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana as its 56th Speaker. Johnson won unanimous support from all present 220 Republicans. Johnson is known for his strong socially conservative principles, including his pro-life advocacy and his rejection of same-sex so-called marriage. Now, those are all your headlines today, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And there was a story that, that was done, I think it was a week ago, and I just came across it last night. And John Oliver. Uh, do you know who John Oliver is, Rudy? Yeah, he's insufferable. He really is insufferable. <laughs> the guy has never made a funny joke in his life. Any of these paid funny guys on TV, they're like the most cringeworthy people. I, I can't stand watching their shows. Yeah. In fact, it was a net positive when Hollywood was striking. I think they're still striking. You Maybe know, they're trying to figure out how to get it back on there, but I was happy to not see clips from those shows while they were off. You know, the funniest thing about the whole Hollywood strike was I didn't notice. <laughs> I had, I had, it affected my life not at all. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, that's still going on? And I was like, oh. Uh, I guess oh. I haven't seen a Conan clip in a while. <laughs> Wow, life is better nice. when Hollywood's on strike. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and But nonetheless, John Oliver decided that he was going to do a hit piece on homeschooling mm. last week. And obviously, he when he starts off, he doesn't want to make everybody mad at him. So what does he do? He starts off by saying, I'm not completely anti-homeschooling. Here are an example of homeschoolers that I do like. And here's some good reasons for homeschooling. And so let's play clip five for us real quick of how good homeschooling can be is admittedly very high. But the flaw of how bad it can get is basically non-existent. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, N, Z. Now you know your A, B, C. That is clearly excellent. It made me not want to ask questions, you know, or not want to ask specific questions because I'm like, oh, am I like, they going to call me dumb. When you transitioned to homeschooling, how did you start to feel about yourself? Um, I felt more confident. It was just like a, kind of like a sunshine, like the clouds opening a little bit. That's great. That is very nice. Maybe their kids have social or health problems or disabilities that aren't being accommodated. Maybe they're families with legitimate fears about school safety or who are in the military and move around a lot. And there's also a growing number of black parents opting to homeschool due to whitewashed curriculums and zero-tolerance policies in schools that disproportionately criminalise their kids at an early age. So there are lots of reasons to do it. Whenever there's a threat in any particular state to their right to homeschool, oh, you will see us come together. You know, it may not, we're not going to stay together, but we will band up because we all desperately need our right to homeschool. And that's the nuanced aspect of being in the homeschool world. The people that you have to work with in order to maintain what you hold dear are also the people who crush you. It's true. <laughs> he says, it's true. 
<laughs> so the thing that John Oliver did here is really funny because he was like, yeah, I totally support homeschooling. Here's an example of a good homeschooler. It's absolutely amazing. And it's these parents who made a ABC's rap. And that's the like, clearly, this is amazing. He goes on and says, hey, look, this guy's making all of us other parents look terrible. It's like, look, I don't care how you teach your kids the ABCs. But is that really the the peak of like the best homeschooling? He goes on and he gives this other example of this young woman who I guess a uh, young girl, I suppose, is, is she was bullied at school. And she said that she was scared of being picked on at school, didn't want to ask questions because she thought she was dumb. And so she was like, see, that's another good reason to take your kids out of school. Another great reason to take your kids out of school and homeschool them. And then another reason he gives is this whitewash curriculum. They're talking about colonialism in schools. And so that was the last clip where the woman's like, look, I have to work with these evangelicals because they have all the lawyers to do all the homeschooling, but they're actually our enemies. This is absurd. This is absurd the way he's presenting these ideas. And he's saying, look, if you check these boxes, then you have the John Oliver stamp of approval to go and homeschool. The other thing that I noticed in this is that all the examples he gave were all of black people. I'm thinking... Why is it that you think it's only okay to homeschool if you're black? Like, I think any parent should be allowed to homeschool. I don't care what your race is. But clearly, he's against this because all the examples of good homeschoolers are black. And all the examples of bad homeschoolers that he gives are white. I think that's very, very telling. And so I think uh, this is uh, very interesting. But here is the example of a bad homeschooler that he shows. Uh, let's play clip seven. Here is one parent enthusiastically explaining how he taught his kids science. I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, in my home, in our kitchen table, we've dissected, you know, sheep eyeballs or uh, frogs. Uh, <laughs> kitchen Kitchens are great labs <laughs> for this kind of thing. Where does somebody, so where get, does somebody get a sheep eyeball? <laughs> well, John, you can just Google sheep eyeball for homeschoolers. I didn't There's know lots that. of people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. First, are kitchens the best lab for this kind of thing? I think probably labs are the best lab for this kind of thing. I'm just like, maybe don't go dissecting sheep eyeballs in the same place where you cut olives for salad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't even. You do know they script these out, right? Like, so they workshop that joke. They sat there and they wrote that joke out. It makes no sense. Kitchens are for di- it's for it's for cooking, right? Yeah, you like, dissect do- animals all the time. Is John Oliver a vegan? <laughs> like, has he never cooked steak or chicken or anything? Like, I'm not saying like I've never dissected, like I've never uh, cut up an animal myself personally and processed it myself. But I've bought chicken and beef and have cut into it, right? And if you're if you're Hispanic, then you've May have also had like cow cheek and things like that. Um, that's kind of delicious. And this guy is like, <laughs> in my kitchen, I just cut salads. Like, dude, what are you, what are you talking about? How disconnected from the world are you? And the other thing that he makes a joke about, so that's just a side note, even. It doesn't even matter. The, the main thing is this father is going out of his way to teach his kids. To dissect animals, which I personally would be like, yikes, that's disgusting. We're not going to do that in my my homeschool. But 
he's going out of his way to do that, to teach his kids how to dissect those kind of things and to do science, studying biology. And he's using that as an example of a bad homeschooling dad, a bad homeschooling. And then, but the rapping family is a good, good, the good homeschooling one. There, I don't understand the logic there. I understand why he thinks that that is wrong. It's pure derision. And he also noticed the thing that is amusing, not actually funny, but it's amusing, is a laugh tracks. He just shoves a laugh track in there. He's like, the guy's like, oh, yeah, you you just get your, you, we dissect um, sheep eyeballs in our kitchen table. <laughs> like, what? That wasn't, why is that funny? I, I don't understand. What are you trying to get at here? Now, here is an example of a of a homeschool family of why what he thinks is a ridiculous reason to homeschool. You should not homeschool if this is your reasoning. Uh, let's play clip six. Take this man who offers this pretty shaky rationalization for pulling his kid out of school. I think the type of content on what they're teaching about sex or anal sex that my third grade daughter should not be in a classroom where a teacher or someone else is teaching her about that. And that was your experience in school? I threw through friends in other spots that had been kids at those ages because mine was only in first grade when you pulled them. Well, that sounds like total. Yep. Yep. So there's John Oliver for you. And he's like, that sounds like total. Let's just say he was going to he was going to say baloney. That's what he was going to say. Yeah. Malarkey, some would say. It's Malarkey. a regional Malarkey. thing, you know? Yeah. Why Why are people laughing at that? I don't understand. What's funny about the corruption of of the youth? What is, what's funny about stealing their purity and their yeah. innocence? Yeah. The whole thing is ridiculous. It's it's very telling where they put the laugh tracks to listen to that, that aspect of it. Because the only way that they get people to laugh is to put fake laughter in there and try to convince you that it's actually funny when it's not. When we come back, we're going to pick up on that topic. Is it crazy to pull your kids out because of that? Uh, We'll find out when we come back. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Dan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Before the break, we were talking about John Oliver, the late night guy. I think it's just a John Oliver show. I don't know. I don't watch it. He did a hit piece out on homeschooling. And look, I don't have a dog in the fight. I was not homeschooled. My I don't my kids are not homeschooled. I don't have kids. And uh, my parents were not homeschooled. My little sister was homeschooled, but my brother and my older sister were not. So I don't have a major dog in this fight in terms of wanting to promote homeschooling in terms of just personal experience. I just think it's better. I think homeschooling is better. Uh, It's kind of a weird position I hold that parents should be the primary educators of the family. Uh, Parents should raise their kids. I have that weird opinion. I know. It's a little strange. But before we went to break, I was playing this clip from John Oliver, who was making fun of this guy who said, hey, I'm the reason why I'm homeschooling is because they were putting up this sex ed curriculum to my kids, and I don't want them to get to be reading that. I don't want them to be presented with that stuff. And the woman interviewing him says, oh, well, did your kids experience that? He's like, no, but I heard it from other people, and so I didn't want them to get it. And John Oliver's laughing at him like, that's crazy. He didn't even experience it. He's just making things up. Wait, so we have to wait until our kids are exposed to it, and then we can react? Or should we be proactive? Should we wait until they corrupt our kids and then be like, oh, no, they corrupted our kids? Or should we recognize that they've already done it to other people and react? For example... I wanted to hear you. I want you to listen to this clip of this mom talking about her experience at a school board. Let's play clip one. Son has access that he's eight on his Wake County public school system laptop. Immediately pulled up genderqueer. Immediately was able to see all the photos. You know what they're reading. We've shown you what they're reading. They're reading things they should not read. But you you can gaggle them, right? But you you won't stop. Uh, genderqueer from coming up on an eight-year-old's laptop. So uh, I find that odd. But then, you know, this is a corrupt board. So then I I realize that that's just how it is. And things need to change. Um, Additionally, there is queer affirming, which is working towards a queer affirming network where heteronormative thinking no longer exists. So the NCAE is basically saying that the goal is so that kids do not look and think the mom and the dad, that's normal. That's not normal. They don't want that to be normal. Why? I mean, does anybody know? Yep. yep. So there is that. And I think that is something that we need to look out for because this is happening. This is really happening. John Oliver can laugh at it all he wants. He can try to play this game where you just, instead of actually engaging in argumentation, because you can't. Your position is so indefensible that all you can do is laugh, which is actually a tactic of war. 
there is a saying, laughter is war, risus es bellum, laughter is war. Because whenever you make something ridiculous, which comes from the word to laugh at or to be laughable, when you laugh at something, you make it so that way it is no longer acceptable to hold on to that position. And so that's their goal. Whereas they do the opposite for the things that they like. For example, they make it so you can never make fun of anything gay. You can make never make fun of, remember Barack Obama? You can never make a joke about Barack Obama. You can never make jokes about their sacred cows. But you can always joke and you can always make fun of Christians, of white people, of anything that is good, true, or beautiful. Make a joke about God, no problem. Make a joke about our Lord Jesus Christ, no problem. Make a joke about Our Lady, no problem. But don't you dare make fun of Muhammad. Don't you dare make fun of Barack Obama. Don't you dare make fun of the Black Lives Matter movement. None of those things are acceptable. It tells you what is valued. It tells you what the religion of the world is. What you can and can't make fun of. Because there are blasphemy laws in place. There are, in fact, blasphemy laws. Anything that you cannot say in public, that is a blasphemy law. It may not be on the books, but effectively, that's what it is. Now, this is happening in public schools all all over the U.S. Now, check out what John Oliver thinks is foolish content that is taught to our homeschoolers. Let's play clip eight. But the quality of some of these books can be troubling. For instance, one current Abeka history book says that the beginning of the 20th century witnessed a cultural breakdown that threatened to destroy the very roots of Western civilization. The cause of this dissolution was an idea or philosophy known as liberalism. <laughs> Meanwhile, a workbook from ACE celebrates the Confederate General Robert E. Lee as a devoted Christian who practiced his Christianity in all his dealings with others. And a science book from Bob Jones University claims that biblical and scientific evidence tends to support the idea that men and dinosaurs existed at the same time. Its founding president and chairman, Michael Farris, has referred to public schools as a godless monstrosity. And here he is back in 2004 speaking to the Christian Coalition and describing his long-term hopes for the next generation. Today, it is not preposterous to recognize what's going on, the promotion of homosexuality, the promotion of other kinds of things that you heard from Walter Jones and you've heard many other times, is a deplorable reality that we cannot countenance. I can't wait for the day when our young people vanquish the enemy by a five to four vote, reversing Roe versus Wade. And... uh, Where we vanquish the, the specter of same-sex marriage. That's the standard of victory. Okay, there is a lot that is hard to take in that clip, that that's his wish list, that he's already gotten half of it, and that he's saying vanquish the enemy is by looking less like a warrior and more like your tax accountant's tax accountant's assistant. <laughs> Over the years, the HSLDA has lobbied extensively from a hard-right perspective on issues that have nothing to do with homeschooling opposing everything from vaccine mandates to same-sex marriage. All right, so he threw out a ton of things there. A ton of things which, honestly, you could make a whole show that's like two hours long going point by point, dismantling everything he says here because he just throws at all these things and, again, he just laughs at it. For example, one of the main things that I'm going to come after is his topic here about liberalism. He's like... 
Can you believe it? There are schools out there that are teaching these homeschool groups teaching that liberalism is the origin of our problems in America today. Huh. Crazy, huh? Yeah. No kidding. Liberalism is the problem. The fact that you believe in liberalism, the fact that you promote liberalism, and the fact that you essentially just admitted that liberalism is what is being taught in our schools, saying, look, at real school, in normal school, we teach liberalism is the virtue of our country. But in these backwards Christian schools and these backwards homeschooling groups, they're teaching liberalism is bad. So obviously these people are dumb. No, this is very foolish because liberalism is obviously the origin of a lot of the problems of the United States. Why is that the case? Well, John Oliver is not going to give a defense of his position, but I'll give you a defense of mine. Liberalism essentially is referring to freedom. And the question becomes the freedom force what or from what? Now, our modern understanding of liberalism, of freedom, of liberty, is erroneous. Because we say we are free to do whatever you want. And usually someone will tag on to that unless you hurt somebody else. And of course, the question is, uh, why is it not okay to hurt other people? What's your basis for having that opinion? The founding fathers, despite their problems, they believed in a deity and they recognized that they had unalienable rights that came from God. So they recognized that authority comes from God. This is why we talk about Ten Commandment Americans. But those today who support liberalism, they don't believe in God. So what's the reason to not allow people to hurt others? That's kind of a strange position. What makes it right or wrong to not hurt other people? But let's put that aside for a second. If you could do whatever you want, as long as you don't hurt anyone else, what does that result in? That results in the drug epidemic we see. That it results in the pornography epidemic we see. That results in the transgender movement, which they're perfectly fine with. In fact, I suppose they'd prefer this to be taught instead. Uh, look, Listen what this mother at the school board meeting had to say. Let's play clip two. I'm here to speak on behalf of our younger children and their academics. This book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, which, is a, which has an oxymoronic title based on its content, can be found in 26 elementary schools. It is geared towards K-2, and as Macmillan Publisher says, it basically geared, is geared toward ages 4 through 8. It introduces four different characters with different gender identities. It makes it seem as if gender is an imaginary concept that can be changed on a whim. When the truth is, gender is factual. You're either a boy or a girl. And gender identity, what you see yourself as, that's imaginary. Well, let me read you a couple of things. First character is Ruthie. She's a transgender girl. That means when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy until she grew a little older, old enough to tell everyone that she's actually a girl. Then there's her brother, Xavier. Xavier is a cisgender boy. Which four to eight year old knows what cisgender means? Can they spell cisgender? That means when Xavier was born, everyone thought he was a boy. And as he grew older, it turned out everyone was right. He was a boy. Then there's Alex, the friend. Alex is both a boy and a girl. 
Then there's JJ. JJ is neither a boy nor a girl. Ever since JJ was very little, they never felt exactly like a boy or girl. They just felt like themselves. This is JJ's gender identity. Some girls, some kids feel like girls. Some kids feel like boys. Some kids feel like a little bit of both. Part boy, part girl. Reminds me of that old commercial. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Is that okay? Some kids don't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. They feel like neither. Some kids feel that their gender identity is isn't always the same, it's often changing. So now are we endorsing schizophrenia? What are we doing? Whether you feel like a boy or a girl or neither, if you describe yourself another way, that is your gender identity. When does this foolishness stop? When you shroud lunacy, insanity, or fallacy in colorful words and pictures to be read to young children, you have created unsafe and unsafe environment, since we're talking about safe environment, right? Where does it stop? At this tender age, our children should be learning their ABCs and one, two, threes. Who authorized this? Who told you that you are God? Who gave you permission to tell our children who they are and who they're supposed to be? This is intentional and evil at its core. Get back to what you were elected to do and formally educate our children, not indoctrinate them with left-wing ideologies under the guise of providing a safe and welcoming space. Here us clearly. We were and that's going to do it. I think she summarized it very well. So John Oliver is against Christian teachings, but supports this anti-science nonsense. So let's pray for John Oliver's conversion and homeschool your kids. It's a good idea. We'll be right back. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set included the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop, and they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins, but they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a uh, Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. My heart wasn't really in 
um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse. And I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete, and at home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. Uh, we just wrapped up a conversation about the John Oliver's late night show, talking about homeschooling. And yeah, just to put a bow on that, homeschool your kids. It's a great idea. Even from, you know, all the things we talked about, which is more about the moral questions, about the degeneracy happening in the schools, about all those things. But on a separate note, which we could have just done a whole show on this instead, we decided to go this route, but it could have gone the other route and said, kids who are homeschooled typically are a lot smarter. I'm not going to lie. And the statistics bear out. Statistically, they score higher on exams. They do better. They get into better colleges. Uh, they are just, and I just, that's just the case. They live a more balanced lifestyle. They live a more balanced lifestyle. You know, They're more talking, socialized. That too. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of people, and, and myself included, before we even began thinking about homeschool, is uh, we were thinking, well, there's this trope of the homeschool kid being not socialized well because the only people they interact with is the parents, right? Well, then I discovered that there's all kinds of co-ops that people come together and, and you know, there's a lot of social activities there. And I'm pretty sure that's been always the case. I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but, uh, you know, that's usually, that's usually the case. Yeah, we may do a, a follow-up on this story and do a whole a show on the other side of this talking about not just that, but um, the socialized aspect of it and the education aspect of it because these people like John Oliver are just have no idea what they're talking about. I just want to go back to something you said just a minute ago about, you know, the, you know these kids are, are actually going to be a little bit more well-balanced. I was talking to my wife and my wife was a total academic. Me, on the other hand, absolutely not. Never did really well with school. Can confirm. No, I'm can, yeah, man. <laughs> I had to. Uh, I, I had to adjust the hard way. So she was a total academic, but her school, it, it, it just it overtook her entire life. I mean, eight hours of school, eight hours of homework. You know, I'm exaggerating here, but not really. I mean, you're doing that's basically what my sister did. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're constantly doing all of this stuff. Plus, you have your your extracurricular activities and all these other things that are involved with the school. Are you going to tell me that's more balanced than a kid spending time with his parents and learning about the world? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to agree with that. And and I saw that happen with all kinds of people in high school, uh, whether they were in the highest levels of academia, you know, the AP classes or, you know, somewhere in between, there was a lot of, of work that had to be done outside of the, the, the classroom. And it was just very intense. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot more could be said there, and a lot more will be said there. We'll definitely follow up on this story in the future. But joining us right now is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Good morning to you, Alan. Uh, good morning, Adrian. Good morning, Rudy. Uh, great to hear this conversation about homeschooling, and I think Bishop Sheen would approve of homeschooling uh, if he was alive today. Uh, again, I just uh, speak a personal testimony. My good wife and I homeschooled our three children who are all in their 30s. Uh, they turned out well. And, um, awesome. Uh, and of course, they learned their faith. I think this is the whole thing of sometimes you're thinking, oh, if I send my kids to school, they'll learn their reading, their writing, and they'll learn their faith. Uh, but, you know, they say that faith is taught in the home. And if you have your children with you every day, uh, you can co- incorporate what you believe and not what the world believes uh, a lot better. And um, I tell you, my children said to me, all of their friends were envious that they were at home and they wanted to be there too. So uh, they were interested in what was going on. Uh, but again, they developed good social skills. Not the, uh, uh, I want to say the play yard bully social skills. <laughs> they learned real social skills in the family. So, uh, again, I applaud families that are embarking on this journey of homeschooling. Uh, God will give you the grace. Uh, that's what Fulton Sheen would always stress with families, especially. God will provide the grace. Go to Our Lady, go to the sacraments, and uh, you will see success. And the success is that we get to heaven, because that is the goal. And sometimes the schools, uh, unfortunately, don't teach that, Mm -hmm. that the goal in life is to get to heaven, uh, not to uh, make a six-figure salary. So uh, there we go. There we go. Amen. Amen. Well, it's funny you you mentioned that, because, you know, it's kind of sticking on that point, because if you say, oh, it's to to get to heaven, not to make a six-figure salary— but even if the goal was to get a six-figure salary, it's not like the majority of kids that go to public school are graduating from high school and going to making a six-figure salary, right? Right, right. I, I think this is what uh, people have to understand is that we're going to uh, settle into our role. And uh, do we play that role well? Some of us will be just waitresses or waiters at restaurants. Some of us will become doctors and lawyers. But uh, again, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen would say, it's not the role that you take, it's how well you play your role uh, to do those little things well. I mean, the saints tell us this time and time again, St. Therese, the little flower. You know, if you pick up pins for the love of God, it's a job well done. So uh, I think it's this whole idea of saying, yeah, where do I fit in in God's plan? And to understand that you may have to take this humble task uh, that the world would look upon saying, oh, you just want to sell suits at the at the clothing store? Or you want to be a barista at Starbucks? Well, yeah, you can make those a holy and beautiful occupation if you want. Again, it's your intention. It's your intention. So uh, it, it's tough. I mean, in this world, it's all about, you know, rising to the top, being somebody, uh, but uh, being a saint is still the calling card that uh, I think we have to follow. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it'll take a long time to really unpack this uh, theology, mm-hmm. but still, I think um, just your life is worth living. I cannot say that enough. Fulton Sheen named his program so beautifully. You know, your life is worth living no matter what state, economic state, what um, uh, mental state you're in. Some of us, uh, there's some smart, let's say sharper tools in the shed or what was that saying? Uh, but still, at the end, uh, God has planned for each and every one of us. Mm. 
Yeah, very true. Very true. I, I want to pivot over to talking about Fulton Sheen. But um, yeah, I think that's great. We'll, we definitely the, the homeschool world, the goal in life. If you if you don't become a saint, you have failed miserably. Everything else doesn't matter. And I was thinking about I was going to a talk with Father Ripperger last Saturday and he had made a point. He was like, look, if you have a if you're in a marriage and you're and he's talking to the women. He's like, your husband's a total dope, and he's not very smart, not very uh, good with money, makes bad decisions, but you submit to him anyways, and you are living the, according to your state in life, and you're doing the things you're supposed to, and you're good wife and mother, then here's the, here's the secret. In heaven, you'll be higher up in there in heaven than he will be. You submit to him now. And in heaven, you'll have a higher place, and he'll be uh, you'll be running the show. <laughs> and I was like, okay, there you go. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but pivoting over to talk about Fulton Sheen, we were talking about Calvary and the Mass. We will be able to get into it as in-depth because we uh, spent a little bit of time talking about homeschooling, which is a worthwhile diversion. But uh, tell me about the Calvary and the Mass. Where did we leave off? Right. Uh, we've been going through the book week by week, and uh, and it's been good. I think this is God's um, perfect plan. You know, a lot of times we do these book reviews in 15 minutes, and then we move on to another topic. Um, but the Mass is, again, the source and summit of our life. It is to what we should aspire to each week. We should be looking forward uh, to Holy Mass on Sunday. Uh, I say to my friends, you know, I get to get in the car every Sunday and drive to Calvary to witness again Calvary uh, once again, it being reenacted in the Mass. And this is what Fulton Sheen has done in this beautiful book, Calvary in the Mass. He takes the seven parts of the Mass and applies them to uh, the seven acts in the Great Passion, our Lord's seven last words from the cross. And so uh, we've been going through each section. We began talking about the Confidior and the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, the Offertory, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The... Um, <laughs> You know, we just keep going, you know, and I, again, I don't want to lose everybody going too quickly, but I think where we left off is we were going to start talking about the fifth part of the Mass and the fifth word from the cross. So we're going to talk about the communion and the words, I thirst. And so you can see right away this connection that Fulton Sheen is trying to show us is that our Lord is thirsting for us. And that communion is that beautiful opportunity for us to have this um, relationship with Jesus. It's this giving and this taking. And I think this is one thing we're reminded of is that so many times we just go up for Holy Communion and we take. Uh, but do we ever give our Lord anything? And I think this is what we have to remind ourselves. Yes, this is an exchange. It's that beautiful opportunity at the Mass to have that exchange, to come up to the communion rail, bringing something, bringing that intention, bringing ourselves, and of course, our Lord giving us himself. Uh, we say, Lord, I'll give you my time. You give me your eternity. I'll give you my humanity. You give me your divinity. Um, these beautiful um words of Fulton Sheen just kind of can linger in our mind as we uh, go back to our pew and just say, wow, I just had that beautiful encounter with Christ. He is the shepherd looking for his sheep, and we being his sheep came to the shepherd and received those uh, blessings and the uh, food for the journey, that food for the journey. So it's really interesting you talk about that because 
I'm thinking now about an altar rail. And I really like this idea of calling it an altar rail because it really is an altar, right? It really is an altar because our Lord said, I thirst, right? And he wasn't thirsting for wine. He wasn't thirsting for vinegar. He wasn't thirsting for water. He was thirsting for souls. And at the Holy Sacrifice in the Mass, the priest, his who is a sacerdotal priest, who is offering sacrifice on behalf of the people of God to the Father. And we are small priests, little priests, priest, prophet, and king by our baptism. And we are participating. We're not offering the sacrifice ourselves, but we are participating in that one sacrifice. We are participating in it. And the culmination of that sacrifice is in the consumption of Holy Communion. That is a the in the Jewish Old, uh, the Old Testament, if once the animal is slaughtered, you were to eat the sacrifice like a Passover. So too, the priest must consume the sacrifice. And we too, should we be in a state of grace, unless we commit sacrilege, if we be in a state of grace, we too must go to the altar, namely the altar rail, and consume our Lord. And that altar rail, it just has that element to it that shouts out, I thirst. I'm coming to the table. I'm coming to the altar. Not the table, not the little dinner table, but the altar to culminate the sacrifice. Uh, what do you think about that, Alan? Yeah, it's what Fulton Sheen uses the term, uh, happy fault. And, and you think, what does he mean by that? But it's this happy fault that we get to, um, you know, eat what we slay. Um, hunters know, of course, the joy of slaying their, um, you know, their, <laughs> whatever they're hunting, you know, be it fish or, or deer, you know, they get to eat their spoils. They're, that's the joy of hunting. Um, yet we slayed our Lord with our sin. It was our sin that put our Lord on the cross and he died on the cross. And yet we get to consume him. You know, we never think of, oh, I went and, you know, uh, slew our Lord and then I ate him. Uh, but this is why the church terms this a happy fault. It's this beautiful happy fault that even though we, you know, put our Lord to death, uh, our sins brought him to Calvary, uh, yet he still feeds us. He still feeds us. So um, it makes you scratch your head. But again, to give God praise, to say, thank you, Lord, this happy fault has turned in my favor that I'm being fed and nourished uh, by this. So uh, again, something to think about as we get ready to ponder on Sunday together, this happy fault of being fed by the Lord, even though we slayed him with our sin. And that's all the time we have for today. So next week, we'll uh, continue on with Calvary the Mass. Uh, we'll make sure we get through the entirety of the book. So if you want that book or you want more information about Bishop Sheen, go to bishopsheentoday.com, bishopsheentoday.com. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Adrian. God love you and uh, have a great day. We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Call now, 877-757-9424, 877 877- 757-9424 last one last time 877-757-9424 this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute 
Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made, it's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be the winner. In fact, all you got to do is be the first caller on the line and you will, in fact, be our contestant to be a winner this week. That number, one last time, 877-757-9424. Now, what are you calling in for exactly? Well, let me tell you. I have three Catholic trivia questions right here in front of me. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. That means even if you just guess, you're going to have a 50-50 chance of getting the question correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week, we are giving away something very interesting, Mm. something that we haven't really done before, and it it revolves around beer. Oh. I'm not going to give you away beer. I can't do that. Yeah, that would be illegal. It's illegal. Unfortunately, this company that's sponsoring us this week, they can't give away the beer either, but they are giving away something interesting. Our sponsor this week is Tridentine Brewing Company, and they've been brewing beer for the greater glory of God. Now, they're a family that brews beers not only to satisfy the palates of the most sophisticated of beer connoisseurs, which uh, is not me, but also they nourish the soul and elevate the mind with edifying and stirring renditions of traditional Catholic and American patriotic themes. All over their packaging, all over their labels, you're going to see these amazing themes. And they feature some amazing Catholic designs which uh, you're going to win this week. They're giving away a Cristero's Mexican lager sign as well as some of the stickers that they put on their bottles. Now, 
you might be wondering, well, if they don't give away the beer, they don't sell it, why do they have these stickers? They give it away to their friends and their family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But these stickers are incredible. The graphic design, top tier, and they feature these amazing Catholic themes. You're going to love hanging up this Cristero's Mexican lager sign wherever you enjoy your libations. There you go. There you go. You know, it's funny. The, the Trident Team Brewing crew there, the family, I got to meet them in person in Dallas. They came down for the Blessed Carl Symposium, mm. and I got to meet them there. And he gave me a gift of all of their signs and stuff. They're like, here, oh, take wow. all this. Yeah, it's really cool. I should have brought it in. That's what I should have done and showed you guys who can watch online. But they, it's really cool. And they were just started to print them and stuff to give them away to friends and family and stuff. But people started seeing them because they were posting them on social media. And they were like, dude, you got to sell these because I want them. I want to put it up in my house, hang it on my wall. And finally, he was like, all right, all right. I'll just open a store. And so he finally did it. So check it out. Tridentinebrewing.com. Tridentinebrewing.com is where to get that stuff. It would be a great gift for a Father's Day, for Christmas, for your dad's birthday, or husband, or son, depending how old your son is. Uh, but... Joining us right now is Claudia. Good morning to you, Claudia. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Claudia. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling from San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, San Antonio. Texas. Oh, you know, go. I low-key really hope tomorrow we have somebody from another city because now we got Houston this week, Dallas this week, San Antonio this week. Uh, who else? Who Amarillo, in? please call in tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear somebody from Amarillo. Uh, that'd be great. But Amarillo I'm, by morning, please call in. But I do love San Antonio. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. That we're gonna we're trying to get as many different cities on the board this week. But great to hear you from uh, from San Antonio, Texas, Claudia. Now, hey. Claudia, where are you off to this morning? I'm going to school. I'm a Spanish teacher in a middle school, so I'm on my way to work. Oh, oh. praise be to God. Now, do you teach uh, Spanish from Spain, or do you, do you teach no, Spanish from I Mexico? Am, I'm, Mex- I'm Mexican, so Spanish from Mexico. Oh, okay, so, <laughs> nice. so no vosotros. No vosotros. Okay, okay, good to know, good to know. Not that I know it anyway. Um, my Spanish <laughs> is, um, I'm trying to think of how to say it in Spanish, is muy mal. <laughs> I please teach adrian how to speak spanish hablo un poquito espanol there you go there you go muy buen espanol <laughs> <laughs> yeah my spanish is very very bad i'm very unfortunate i feel uh, terrible about it uh, somebody needs to come and teach me uh but praise be to god claudia i'm glad you're teaching some kids some spanish i hope they're uh, paying attention learning they're gonna regret it if they don't because i certainly wish i would have learned it when i was younger well i picked it up from novellas so so that's what i need to do i need to watch novellas okay oh yeah (laughs) yeah all right claudia you're familiar with the game do you know how to play of course i do all right then let's jump into it you ready for question number one of course let's do it question number one for you rudy what is forbidden by the ninth commandment adrian Mm-hmm. That's my it name. It is forbidden. All thoughts and desires. All of them? Contrary to chastity. Oh. Okay, I thought you were saying you're not allowed to think. Don't think. Don't have any desires. Be a good Buddhist. Be a good Buddhist. <laughs> no, so you're <laughs> no, saying no, no. all thoughts and desires. Against charity. Against charity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All... Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Chastity. Chastity. <laughs> 
chastity charity they're adjacent chastity specifically chastity my apologies okay that could have been confusing all right claudia clear as mud the question on the board is 15 seconds on the clock what is forbidden by the ninth commandment rudy says all thoughts and desires that are contrary to chastity what say you claudia is he right or is he wrong well, I think he is right. You think he is right. All right. Let's see. Survey says that is correct. Way to go, Claudia. You're rocking it. And you know what I noticed about Rudy? Here's a pro tip. He is a, far more confident when he's giving the wrong answer. <laughs> his wrong answers are very lucid, articulate. <laughs> they come out just like they flow out of his mouth. Then his correct answers are like, <laughs> Adrian, dude, you're not supposed to psychoanalyze me on the air. You're going to give it all away. Oh, my bad. Just, uh, that was just between you and I, Claudia. Don't tell anybody else, all right? Okay, no problem. All right. Let's jump into question number two. You ready, Claudia? Yes, of course. Let's do it. Question number two, Rudy. Fill in the blank. The seven sacraments give blank grace. <sighs> All right, let me stumble through this one just so it sounds like <laughs> sounds like it's the right one. Now, <clears throat> I always like to remember this. Okay. By singing a little ditty. Oh, what's okay. a ditty? Some people rap the ABCs. Other people, you know, they just sing normally. I sing this little ditty to remind me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mm -hmm. So you know that song, right? I've heard it once or twice. Okay, so that song, it talks about what the seven sacraments give. It gives us amazing grace. Oh. Okay. Side note, what is a little ditty? A little ditty? Like a a song, you know, like a a jingle, if you will. Okay. I did not know that. All right, Claudia, 15 seconds on the clock. Do you know what a little ditty is? No, sorry, that's not the question. (laughs) The question is, (laughs) fill in the blank. The seven sacraments give blank grace. Rudy says it's amazing grace. Mm. So what say you, Claudia? Is he right or is he wrong? He is wrong. He is wrong, she said. All right, survey says... <laughs> How could you tell, Claudia? How did you know he was wrong? Because I think it's divine grace. Oh, you think it's divine grace? Well, the correct answer is actually sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. There are two types of grace there's sanctifying grace, and there's actual grace. And the correct answer here is sanctifying grace. I guess technically all grace is divine. I guess also technically all grace is amazing too. But. The correct answer is sanctifying. So praise be to God, Claudia. You're two for two. You ready for question number three? Let's go. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. You've, I mean, you're doing great so far. You have a 100% success rate. So we'll see what you do for question number three. Rudy, here's the question. What was the name? I suppose is. is still his name. But anyway, that's a side note. What, what is the name of the soldier who pierced Christ's side? His name was Lance. Lance. Yeah. And he became a saint, which is mm-hmm. why there is a, you know, like a, maybe you weren't around in the 90s. No. You were till, still yes. too small. But in the very, 90s, there was this small. guy named Lance Bass. And oh. everybody had a crush on this guy for some reason. And his parents named him after that. Okay. And named him after the guy who pierced Christ's is, side. 
Interesting. Is that where they get the the story of Lancelot from? No. No, different. Also, yeah, there's a there's a cookie company, Lance Cookie Company. Oh. So is that related? I wonder, I wonder if they're related. Oh, okay. Mm. All right, Claudia. Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question on the board is what was the name of the soldier who pierced Christ's side? Rudy says it's Lance. What say you, Claudia from San Antonio, Texas? He is completely wrong. Completely wrong, <laughs> she said. All right, let's see. Survey says Completamente. That is correct. Way to go. Do you know what his name is? No. It is Longinus or Longinus, depending on your pronunciation. Some say Longinus, others say Longinus. Um, I've always heard it as Longinus. But there you go. Saint Longinus who pierced Christ's side. And he is actually a saint. After he pierced Christ's side, the blood and water that flowed from his side splashed him right in his face. And the crust from his unfaithfulness in his eyes fell away. And he saw our Lord for who he truly was. So, St. Longinus, pray for us. But congratulations, Claudia. Three for three. I stay on the line so we get your contact information. But praise be to God. Thanks for calling in today. Thank you. Please pray for our students. Will do. We'll be praying for them that they um, be miraculously given the gift of tongues. So that way it makes uh, teaching Spanish much easier. (laughs) All right. Going to put you on hold. We're going to get your contact information. So don't go anywhere. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us, well... We'll hang on for a second and uh, explain what's going on, and then we're going to hop off because we're not actually live on our social media streams today, but we're going to upload our show after the fact onto our social media streams. So YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, all those places, check it out. You can find the replay there later today. But God bless you, God love you, and I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning we are celebrating a votive Mass for an increase in vocations to the religious life. This morning's Mass is being offered for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Network online and for those here present. Oh, of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, who though urging all the faithful to perfect charity, never cease to prompt many to follow more closely in the footsteps of your Son. Grant, we pray, that those you have chosen for this special calling may, by their way of life, show to the Church and the world a clear sign of your kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your nature. For just as you presented the parts of your bodies as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness for lawlessness, so now present them as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. But what profit did you get then from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit that you have leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Word of the Lord. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. He is like a tree planted near running water, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 
I consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her father-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Gospel, we hear Jesus speaking about wishing to set the earth on fire reminds us of John speaking about baptism, John the Baptist, and saying that he came to baptize with water for repentance, but the one coming after him, namely Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. In fact, we know that fire is a very powerful metaphor for the Holy Spirit's action in our lives and actions in the world. So why is it that fire is such a powerful image for the Holy Spirit? Well, in the first place, a fire purifies. If you take something like gold and you put it to fire, you are able to separate the imperfections and create kind of a pure gold bar. And this is certainly an image of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit as fire comes to purify us, which means to remove us from sin, to separate us from sin in order to make us holy. Second dimension of the Holy Spirit is fire is that fire is often used to heat up metal so that it can become malleable, formable, and shapeable. You can change its shape into something a little bit different. And the Holy Spirit comes as fire to transform us. When we are baptized, we're baptized into the life of Jesus Christ, and the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be to transform us into Jesus Christ in our lifetime. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly at work to make us more and more like Christ. The Holy Spirit as fire is also representative of the fact that in a controlled setting, such as a fireplace or a campfire, fire can be soothing and comforting. It can provide a gentle warmth. And here, too, we can think of the Holy Spirit as the consoler. Holy Spirit in times of trial, in times of discouragement, comes to comfort us, to soothe us, and to keep us warmed by the fire of God's love. And finally, and more to the point of what Jesus is saying today, we can also say that the Holy Spirit as fire comes to inflame us and to set us on fire. 
fire is an agent of change. It causes things to change rapidly. I suppose that's why when someone is playing really good basketball and making all sorts of buckets, they say he or she is on fire because they are causing the scoreboard to rapidly change because of the way they are shooting the ball so effectively. Similarly, the Holy Spirit comes to make us agents of sanctification, agents of transformation in this world, because if he is vivifying and actified in our life, well, then we become representatives and agents of the Holy Spirit in the world to be people who can help be agents of sanctification, purification away from sin, and of transformation in the power of God's grace. I suppose a beautiful image of this is at the Easter Vigil. We know at the beginning of the Easter Vigil, the Paschal candle is lit from the fire outside of the church, and then in pitch darkness you walk into the church, and after the second time the priest says, Christ our light, all the faithful have their candles lit from the one Paschal candle, and pretty soon the church is aglow with the light of Christ kind of one of the properties of fire. It has the capacity to grow, and as you share it, it doesn't diminish. If I have a cup of water and I give half of it to you, well, now I only have a half left. If I give another half away, I only have a quarter left. But fire doesn't work that way. As it lights, it keeps on sharing, it keeps on spreading, and it keeps on growing. Jesus comes to light us on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would share his word, that we would evangelize, and that we would too be agents of Jesus's in this world to purify, sanctify, transform, and evangelize. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be open to the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we would allow and cooperate with the Holy Spirit working in our life to purify us from sin, to transform us, to become like Christ. And let us pray that we too would truly be set on fire with the flame of the Holy Spirit to evangelize and to share the goodness of Jesus Christ with all people. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to enact just laws, laws that would always safeguard and promote the dignity of human life at every phase, and laws which would never transgress the natural law. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our we pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the soothing, consoling fire of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our we pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers. For those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Network and online, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. We pray to always be open to the promptings and inspirations of the Holy Spirit, that we would be set ablaze to evangelize, 
we pray to the Lord. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. White waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. I, King of heaven, when victory is won, May I reach heaven's joys, bright heaven's sun. Heart of my heart, whatever befall, Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Receive in compassion, Holy Father, the offerings we bring you, and grant fraternal communion and spiritual freedom to all who set out joyfully to imitate your Son by following the narrow way through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, his death we celebrate in love. His resurrection we confess with living faith, and His coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints we praise You, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenisum celi et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, 
qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours. 
forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the Most Holy Sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
O Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive Thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. Let us pray. By the power of this sacrament, give us, Lord, we pray, perseverance in obeying your will, that we may bear witness to your love before the world and seek with courage those good things which alone will last forever. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above, O Maria. Hail, Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. Triumph, all ye cherubim, Sing with us, ye seraphim, Heaven and earth resound the hymn, Salve, 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 Regina. Our life, our sweetness here below, O Maria. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.